I'm Joe Kane. I'm Dan Kane. I'm Sal Conca. And I'm Wayne Heckler. And this is the Imperfect Podcast. Don't forget to go to hecklercane.com and sign up to become an Imperfect Podcast Insider. To the bumper. Today we're here with actress and comedian Jill Michelle Melian, who comes to us by way of Hollywood. She's known for her roles in Fox's Mad TV and Comedy Central's Reno 911. She just completed a personal project with our friend Alex Ferrari, known as This Is Meg. Yeah, we just uh, Alex kind of turned her to us, and we picked her up for the podcast. Yeah, she uh, she had tons of information to offer as an actress and as a female comedian. Life on the road. Moving from Miami to L.A. Advice to how to live as an yep. actress. Yep, and she was very funny. Yeah. Yep. Um, right. The big thing is, you know, she's got her new one-hour stand-up special coming, which is real personal to her. I think it was really interesting to hear her talk about the transition from doing This Is Meg into the one-hour special and how she's actually combining that personal aspect for her audience. So, you yeah. know, stay tuned and hear what Jill has to say. <laughs> Jill, welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. How are you doing out in sunny California? I am good, and it is sunny and beautiful here, I tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so jealous. <laughs> yeah, we're freezing our butts Back off. Back in so. New York, right. Yeah, on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, our, our, our weather takes Prozac and Xanax. They're really sweet out here. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, so we know you're no uh, stranger to the warm weather. I believe you grew up in Miami, is that right? Yeah. Born and raised in Miami, which is now it's a little bit even more mixed with like the Brazilians coming in and everything. But it was predominantly Cuban when I grew up there. And um, very I always have to say to people when they go, oh, you're from Florida. I go, no, Miami. It's it's (laughs) it's its Mm -hmm. own. It's its own thing. (laughs) Well, I was I was a hurricane. I always got to throw that in there. Like, I have to tell you this, the the hurricane that last hurricane that we had, that Hurricane Irma, uh, I was supposed to get a beach house that we were selling. Um, oh, it went into the ocean. Um, oh, so, my God. So I'm like, I go, thanks, Irma. Wait, <laughs> if I ever meet an Irma, I'm going to punch her in the face. <laughs> Ouch. Well, wow. the, the Miami Hurricanes went to the bowl game this year, I heard. You know, so. The- oh, yeah, though the Hurricanes, <laughs> meaning the, the football team. Yes. Yeah. Actually, growing up, I was a season pass holder. And the whole family, every every time there was a home game, we were there. Go Canes, you know. We, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a blast growing up in um, with the Hurricanes. I, I loved it. That was like one of my favorite memories growing up over there. So, yeah. yeah. It was completely foreign to me. It's so – football is so huge down there. Like in New yeah. York, we don't have that. Nobody goes – we don't physically we have like, a football team in New we York have, anymore. No, we have, like professional teams. We don't do yeah. college baseball, and high school thing. Yeah, yeah we got yeah. baseball out here. And then and when I went down there, it was like Miami Hurricanes. People are like just parking on people's front lawns. You just like lease your lawn for parking space. It was it was totally yeah. shit show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so speaking like, of... To bring back memories, Sal. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. they, I remember everyone would like... People would like... They all of a sudden they turn their their uh you know their front lawn into a parking lot in the pits. You charge you twenty bucks to park there. <laughs> yeah. People make money. I was like, yes. hell yeah. So what led you into the acting field then? Growing up in Florida, Miami, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I think what what led me into the acting world was um, it was kind of a thing where I fell in love with with TV and film. It was my escape, you know, as a kid and. I didn't know how to get there, you know, because I was very suppressed, you know, in a very um, 
a very Latin type of upbringing. And it's very, you know, more of like you get married, you have kids, that type of thing. So it was, but I just, that wasn't, it didn't ever appeal to me. What appealed to me was, you know, when I looked at the screen, I was like, I want to do that, you know? Um, so there was at a very young age, because I had a grandma that was very strict and she was, I was considered the bad seed cause I was crazy kid. Um, <laughs> And when I realized um, that I made her laugh, when I could make her laugh, and I started dry humping her leg, that's how, <laughs> uh, that's how I started at three years old. I started dry humping my grandma's leg, and she would laugh and leave me alone. And I realized the power of laughter, and when you make someone laugh, how they separate you from, from anything else, and they just let it go. So I, so I found that at a young age, and I always knew that, comedy was going to be my source of power and mm -hmm. that's what happened and um and I came out here into Los Angeles and I didn't know anybody and I was believed in my crazy self you know and um would cry myself to sleep at night mm -hmm. and oh, it paid off though it nice. did it's yeah. yeah. so, a lot of hard when did you make that transition? What, what was there a particular moment that made you go out to move to LA or what part of your life, you know, were you a teenager? Were you older? Did you go to college? Yeah, my parents were really strict. Um, so their whole thing was college. They wanted me to go to college. And even though I knew at such a young age, this is what I wanted to do. They didn't have the tools to teach me or show me or to guide me to come here. So I kind of had to figure it out myself. And their prerequisite was, you need a college degree. Like that was just their thing. That's how they were brought up, you know? Um, so I did. And through that, through the college, you know, I call it a very expensive party. That's <laughs> I think that is for most people. Go Canes. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> okay, right. Um, but through that, I realized what I wanted even more because I thought I wanted theater. And then when I was in the theater program, um, through that, I realized film was more of where I, I really uh, flourished in because I like creating a family for a few months or a year and then you go, bye-bye. You know, I love that feeling of everything is not, nothing's ever the same. Whereas theater, you know, you're doing eight shows a week or more and it's the same thing over and over. Kind of like stand-up, but stand-up, I have the ability to have my mic and then change things if I want to. Right. Whereas a play, you can't do that. I can't like... <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm not gonna play that character tonight. I'm gonna be, you know, like. Well, you, know, you could do it. It just you wouldn't last in the part for very long. <laughs> that may be your final performance. <laughs> but it was one to be remembered. Yes. <laughs> I'm an improviser. That's right. <laughs> Wait, this is in Second City. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, if I had to do it again, uh, my advice to people that want to do comedy and know they want to do comedy is now Second City Chicago is like a university. And I say, just go there. Just mm -hmm. go there because they pluck everybody out from, from Second City. And when I was younger, it wasn't what it is today. But now it is. It's like full on university level mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yep now so, you're you're pretty good at sketch comedy speaking of second city we saw saw some of your work on uh, mad tv tell us about that experience how was it working with how do you uh, get mad how TV? do you get to mad tv yeah let's, 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 yeah, let's go back how do you actually get the role on mad tv well that was that was interesting because um they followed me for like a year and a half they would come out to my stand-up shows and you know, and when I first started stand up, I had scum come from a sketch background because um, in Miami I toured um, 
with a sketch group. And so that's what I knew. So when I came out to Los Angeles, I wanted to audition for a sketch group. And no, you have to, you know, uh, enroll in the Groundlings or, you know, Improv Olympic or Second City. So I did. I enrolled in all that. I was like, I'm going to college again. What the heck? Like, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, but the networking is so good there, but I needed my fix to be on stage. So I took my character work and I started putting it up with stand up. So I did a lot of characters when I first started stand up and Matt TV, they, they heard about me and they started coming. It was a different world back then too. We got to think this is, you know, this is how many years ago, 15 years ago, where today you know, people really don't go out to scout anymore. They're, everything's online, and it's the, sat, the the market is so saturated now. But at that time, female comics weren't a really huge thing. They it was very it was much like a, a Roseanne or a very charactery type of female comic. So someone like me, they're like, "Who are you? Why are you like the girl next door doing comedy?" Like it was not it wasn't it. Now it's 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 very common, but. Mm -hmm. Um, so they came out and for a year and a half, they followed me and the timing was right. And every time I would go back and audition for them, oh my gosh, it was like doing a one person show. Cause you have to do all your characters, mm. all your impersonations. I mean, I was exhausted. You'd be in there for an hour. You're like, a lot. <laughs> so, um, it, I went back several times the last time. I think I went back like six times and had to do this each time. And then finally they went, you know what? We're going to give her an on-air test because she's been back so much. Mm -hmm. I came in and I did uh, Brittany and Drew Barrymore. And um, then they made me a main cast member immediately. So <laughs> Really cool. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. the the Drew Barrymore one was my favorite, but I think the Britney Spears one is probably the most popular, right? Yeah. I mean, that video on YouTube yeah. is like been four million. I was, views I was dying laughing seeing that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and can you imagine, you guys? That was my first sketch that I filmed there, and I had to like get down to a little tiny, like nothing. Like uh. it was like this this sheer top and these little tiny nude bathing suits. Yeah. And, and I'm like, this is my first sketch there. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like I was like getting naked for people. I'm like, really? This is welcome to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> my mom and dad are going to be so proud, <laughs> <laughs> but it did make it popular. You know, <laughs> you're also a very good looking woman. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in a respectful way, <laughs> especially after all the wine <laughs> yeah. things going on these days. I gained a large fan base there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The craziness ensues. Um, so after uh, after Mad TV, um, I think you started writing some of your own stuff. Or did you go back out on the road and do stand up some more stand up after Mad TV? Well, Mad TV after Mad TV, um, it, I did get I got a tour when I was on Mad TV. I mm -hmm. got a stand up tour, and that's where I really developed my time. I was with the Latinos Locos tour with Carlos Oscar, Darren Carter, Ralphie May. Um, gosh, there was a bunch of them that rotated through. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyways, great comics and I was able to, I hosted, so I was able to really learn from them and develop my time on the road. And, uh, from there I got Reno 911, mm -hmm. which I met Carlos Alas Rocky, which I played his sister on the show. And me and him are like brother and sister on camera and off camera um, and we've done multiple projects together and we just finished writing another script together that we're going to be shooting. And he's in, this is Meg also, yep. he plays spiritual guru. So, um, so yeah, so I did Reno and I recurred on Reno and was on the road, um, for a long time developing my standup and 
I was on the road probably from, I went from one tour to another tour to another tour. I got very lucky in that sense to build my time and was on the road for like seven years of doing like hardcore theaters though, which I'm so grateful for that I got that theater experience. Yes. But I'll tell you, I'm spoiled now because, <laughs> you know, club calls you to do a set. You're like, oh man, I don't you know. You're like, <laughs> you know, the theaters, everyone gets dressed up to go to a theater. Right. You know, they're ready. You know, it's just it's an event different... as opposed to somebody going to have a good time and get a drink. They're, you two, know? they're two free drinks Absolutely. that they have. <laughs> so in Reno, in Reno 9-11, you worked with George Lopez also, right? Yes. There was a scene. That was a funny scene also. I don't think I've ever heard any Anybody call it 9-11. I know, yeah. Oh, this guy. <laughs> Reno, Sorry. Reno, 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 9-11. 9 That's a different show. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My, my agent calls it Reno 9-11 till this day. Does he? He's That's like, funny. Reno 9-11. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, That's, <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah, George, uh, that was really fun. Um, he had that, He, you know, it was really cool when they made that huge tattoo and they put it on his back of me. I yes. thought that was the funniest yeah. thing that ever. Was great. I yes. was like, forever I will be a tattoo <laughs> on George Lopez's back. So. Can't take that away from you. No, no. That's <laughs> on my resume. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. In terms of uh, everything that you did out there with stand-up and getting Mad TV, Reno 911, was there a moment, though, uh, you know, where you were just auditioning and things weren't clicking or the stand-up wasn't going the way you wanted? I mean, was there, like, a moment that you were like, oh, shit, Maybe he, I didn't make the right choice. He's asking for your uh, low point in your life. <laughs> yeah. That's every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, every, <laughs> I, mean I, I just hung up with, you know, we, me and uh, Carlos, Ellis Rocky, we were, we were FaceTiming because we were going over some notes for a pitch meeting. And, um, you know, and it, we forget how grateful we need to be um, because we're in a different position, but it's still that same hunger, you know, for the next thing. We're never satisfied. And we were both sitting there and we started off with complaining, you know, oh, and then I went, wait a second. Remember, we've got to stop and go. We are so grateful that we can pay our rent, do what we love and continue to make great projects. And it's and it is the game has changed. And you know what? But it's going to change again and it's going to change again. And either you play and you're in the game or you get out. So that's what it is. It's like you're never satisfied in this business. There's nothing ever you're like, I'm done and I'm set because my first series when I booked Mad TV, I really in my gut, because I had no idea, thought, okay, I'm done. I'll be go from one series to another series to another series. I'm in now. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's like you're in and then you don't work for like five years of like that you get, you book here, you book here, you book here, but you have to constantly be creating and making new projects because you can't rely on just auditions or a series because I've done multiple pilots that haven't gotten picked up. I was with uh, all the producers of Curb Your Enthusiasm and I was like, we're going to series. This is going to be amazing. (laughs) I'm looking at which house I want to buy. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, we're doing it. And it didn't happen. You're like, what? So you never know it's it's the it's the craziest industry to get into but it's the most rewarding too because mm-hmm. the big chunks that come in are like a chunk that it would take per, a person you know 3 years to make that amount of money and you can make that in 1 month mm-hmm. but it's just being smart and you, you have know to make I'm, that that 3 years worth of money last for 5 yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what though it must be nice being at your level at this point at least you get the meetings 
Yeah. You know, there's people out that have great ideas, doing a lot of things, but once you land the meeting, it's like, okay, she's been around, so that's, and you constantly have to strive for that and keep creating, like you said. Yes, you have to keep creating, and, and even more so now, um, because even though there's so many more outlets, um, it, it's, there's, it's actually made it harder, because mm-hmm. um, there's nowhere to centralize the marketing. You know, you can't say, hey, you know, Jill Michelle Melian's coming to, you know, to Milwaukee next week and we put it on the radio and then it's sold out in two minutes. Well, no one listens to the radio anymore, yeah. you know. Right. So, look, they're listening to podcasts. They're listening to things like that. So it's a it's a very strange world right now that we're in and it's going to be another shift, I really believe. And I had a big meeting last night, a big business dinner, and I'll share this with you guys and I'm sure your listeners will love this. And they were saying, you know what? Comedy is the only thing that has longevity because comics have a voice and you guys have a really strong, clear voice. And these other actors and YouTube people or whatever, it's there. It's just all over. But it always comes back down to the comedians because you guys have got it together. And it's it's this world that you have that surrounds you. And that's where TV shows are created. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) A little reassurance. Yeah. (laughs) Got the pat on your back. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, I think it speaks to the diversity, uh, uh, diversity in talent as well. Right. I mean, you being able to not only act, but go on the road and be a stand up comedian. So having multiple income streams and things like that to be able to support yourself. I mean, I would assume that that's just super important. I mean, is there something um, that other female comics in the industry, like advice that you would give to them about going on the road and, and how they'd handle their careers? Um, yeah, my, my advice is to do exactly what, fortunately what happened to me is to link up with a comic that is a bigger name. Um, that's a male. Um, so it doesn't become a female show. Um, you know, they, cause a lot of bookers will like to market the hot, sexy female show. And you're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. We're not stripping. Like, right. stop. Yeah, right. yeah. So, um, so link up with a bigger male comic and open up for them for a while and gain, gain that fan base, um, and that time. And then it's a, the transition. It's easier to go into headlining because now these bookers know you and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's that's what I did. Fortunately, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the contacts that were necessary on those because I just thought it would last forever. So I would say make sure you connect to those bookers, each club that you're at or each venue that you're at. You hold on to those cards, you create a database and then you reach back out to them when you're at headlining status. So then you can direct book because the, even the PA agents will not fight for you. You've mm-hmm. got to do it yourself. That's great advice. I hope people are taking notes. I hope people are going to take notes upon this as they're as they're hearing it. So, can you send me that pencil? This is their this, this is their college. Speaking of that, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's kind of the whole point of her coming on here. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So tell tell us what are you working on? There's a couple new things down the pike now. I hear. What are you up to now? Yeah. So, so we have, this is Meg is on Hulu streaming now, which is really exciting. And that little film was wonderful because we made it as a, I'm sure Alex discussed it with you. It was a very passion piece. It was full of a lot of heart. So it was Mm -hmm. very indie, you know, um, very stripped, very raw, very vulnerable, um, and based on true events. But I wanted people to see what it is really like to be, to live in LA, what it really is like as a, as an actor in Los Angeles and the relationships, not focusing so much on the business, 
but the relationships that you experience out here in this wacky little land. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun to make and very cathartic at the same time and to involve all my friends, you know, from Mad TV and Reno 911 and from other projects um, that, to come in and play. So there was no drama on the set, which is amazing. <laughs> Well, Alex, I want to know what it's like to work with Alex, because we only know him through the podcast and we've met him socially. We've never yet to work with him. Maybe we will one day. But what what was it like working with Alex? (laughs) Hi, Alex. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what was it like working with him as a director? And I mean, you guys are really partners on the film, though. So it's and I know you guys are so close as friends, too. So, yeah, you know, it's it's we have a very special dynamic. It's very unique um, because. I think it's because uh, going into it, it is my story, and um, also these were my friends. So normally directors will not let a producer step in as much as I did. Um, And he was very kind to do that because he also knew that those actors showed up that usually get paid a lot of money for, you know, cappuccino money um, (laughs) because they're my friends. Mm -hmm. So he, he allowed me to talk with them and and we would discuss notes prior and work together and but what what is wonderful about him as a director is that he puts his ego aside and he wants to capture what is necessary and that's so important because as uh, as an actor and as a producer you know I've worked with directors that it's their vision and that's it and you know and then you get to the editing and you're like this sucks you know, mm-hmm. there the comedy timing's not there. Right. We didn't get the footage that was needed. Mm-hmm. They were stubborn. So, um, so he's not stubborn. You know, we both know how to deal with each other. We both know that if we say something and it's direct and it's maybe sounds rude, it's not rude. It's coming from a place of love. We're trying to make a great thing. You know, there's it's not like God. What's wrong with her? Right. What's wrong? With her? Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So that's the beautiful thing about the dynamic that we have together. Uh, I don't know how he would be in a different set. You know, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't vouch for him for his whole career. (laughs) Just this one film. I won't let everybody know that he's going to work with you that way. Shut up and sit down. (laughs) Well, so I guess the key is if you want to work with Alex, also hire Jill. And then, you know, it'll be okay. Then you'll be okay. A good balance, right. Exactly. See, we're getting you more work already. This is working. (laughs) Jill, you have a one-hour comedy special coming out you want to talk to us a little bit about that oh my gosh okay so um it was piggy piggybacking off of of this is meg uh what happened was you know the the it it was such a unique experience um because in film you know you deal with so many putting out so many fires and this film we would look at each other and go are we making a movie because it was just so i don't want to say easy because that's the wrong term but it was no drama so, and usually on a film set, there's so much drama. And right. <laughs> uh, so we were, so the little fires that we had to put out were so easy. And after we were wrapping up, I was having like, like separation anxiety. Like, oh my God, <laughs> right. like it's going to be over. So I just looked at him and said, you know, um, there's been so many people have come to me about doing my one hour special and, and it's my first one hour I've had other specials on Hulu and Showtime and, and it's like, but this was my first one hour and the monies that they were coming in with were stupid. Like it was like, really, I'm going to sign over that money to you for all, for my first one hour. Like, mm, I don't know. So it was a hard, I was in a weird place already about it. 
And then after we made This Is Meg, I said, I want you to make my one hour special wow. um, together. Let's do it together. Um, we're in this momentum, this groove oh, yes. of being raw and being real. And I said, I talked to the improv because that's like where I started the Hollywood improv. And they're like my family and they opened up their space. I said, I want to make it in a small setting like Louis C.K. did and Sarah Silverman did in her last special mm -hmm. where it's very intimate. And that's what This Is Meg was. So I want to translate it over to my stand-up special. And we were like, let's do it. And that's why we ended up doing it at the improv. And it's beautiful. It's shot beautifully. It does give you that feeling that you're in the club with mm -hmm. me. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, we're on the final week of mastering right now. And then I'll be able to let everyone know where to find it. So right. that's good. It's exciting. Really yeah. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I think what's really cool about that, just l listening to you talk about it, is how smart and um, direct you are with your plan and creativity around it. I mean, it's really, it's really cool interesting to hear yeah. the way you talk about it you know and it's very um everything was done very specifically which is great so i'm sure that's going to come across on camera i'm, I'm super excited to see the special when it I, comes out i'm really excited to share it with you guys because it is it's it's it really is about the material like when you watch certain uh other comics i really study uh i don't like to show the audience that was a choice of mine because mm -hmm. it is about the material and that's it that's all it is. And it's not about a cut to of, ah! it's right. not about brain shot. It's <laughs> not about whatever. Hmm. So, and that's what I wanted to present. Now, maybe my next special, you know, we have <laughs> a crazy like drones <laughs> coming in. Back into the big theater. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Different. We have, have right. dancers, you know. Sure. Who knows? So. Will you be doing any Drew Barrymore impressions in the special? Uh. <laughs> Of course, you know it. Of <laughs> <course>. <laughs> That's so great. Um, By the way, I love I love Mugwai right there. I love we have little things tr Where's, trinketed all around the set for for people who uh, pick up on them. <laughs> I that's my favorite, and I just watched it again the other day. I was like, man, it's still such a great movie. It's so good, Gremlins. I love it. Yeah. My yeah. favorite. I know it's still Amazing. on Netflix, so it's like you know you can watch it all the time. Certain movies pass the test of time, definitely. Yeah. Right? Yes. Because there's some that you go back that you're like, I loved as a kid, and you watch it like, what? Like uh, <laughs> that's true too. Right? Right? I saw Kiss the Phantom when I was young. I was like, wow, it's magical. Then I see it, I'm like, are you serious? Like it's not. <laughs> there's nothing to it. Right. No offense, guys. But whoa. Oh, my God. I know you mentioned a couple of comedians already, but I'm curious to hear, like, are there any comedians in uh, particular that inspired you, female or otherwise, like, that you look to for inspiration? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, when I think back to what my inspiration was, um, it wasn't very many stand-up comics. It was more Carol Burnett, Tracy Ullman, um, you know, watching the Golden Girls, their timing. Mm -hmm. Um I, I do love Ellen. Like her old stand-up is just wonderful. Uh, Richard Pryor, uh, Eddie Murphy's old work, um, George Carlin, uh, you know, and then currently, you know, it's, it's Louis C.K. I know he's in the media. Oh, about, yeah. But, yeah. But I, I, I How well he, do you know Louis? <laughs> um, you know, I've met Louis a couple of times and I did a show with him once. And um all I can say is he was the kindest man to me and the funniest man. And there was, I wouldn't, I, that I was shocked. I was yeah. shocked because I just, 
I don't see that. But I do know one thing. Um, I do know the groupies that are in the stand-up world and the, the audience members that do go backstage and mm -hmm. that do hang out. And um, I just wish that they could consider the source for each uh, case because these women are disgusting. Course, and I've yeah. seen the men that are gross that come to me afterwards, too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, it's just it's unfortunate that that happened. I, I just, you know, some of and again. I'm not, I wasn't there, so I don't know the whole story, and I don't want to ever think these, you know, downplay on these women. Sure. Um, but all I know from what I know from Louis is that he is he's a he's a very good guy. So um, it's this is such a shocking news, I think, to a lot of comics. Yeah, that yeah. one bothered me specifically too. I it was just I don't know because Louis is such an everyman, and I followed yeah. his career, you know, so closely, and it's just like. Ah, shit. Not him, too. He was like, uh, I was just like, how much? And every day it's something else in the news. But anyways, this whole scandal I, thing is killing all of us because everybody were turning around going, oh, this one, too. And again, yeah, let, let, let me and, let me say this. The, the thing when uh -oh. I hear it. No, I don't have enough information. Oh, like, yeah. I can't I can't make them guilty when I don't know really what happened. So I know I, like these days it's like, what are you defending men? You have no idea what they did. But in some cases, it just might not be true either. You know, I don't know. It's rough. I'm, I'm not listening to all the details or any of us on the jury. You know what I mean? So, but and especially comedy, comedy is such a, a place where you offend everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so where, what do, where are the, where's the lines drawn? Yeah, because, because even on, when we're on TV shows and we have to do the sexual harassment thing, where we're all sitting there, all the cast members and we're cracking up because we've broken all those rules already, oh, you yeah. know, Hi. like it's, it, so it's the weirdest. It's so backwards I, right. I i don't know like i feel like i need to walk around with tape on my mouth for a while because yeah. i'm like <laughs> i might say something to offend somebody like, well the, oh. the whole idea of comedy is to offend somebody Exactly. <laughs> and then you can't offend somebody. Well, I think you cross the line when you get physical. Now, if you're not touching, if you're just joking, you're saying, especially if you're a comedian, you know, right. you're supposed to say those things. That's why it's funny. Like, because you're not supposed to talk about those things and you are and it's funny. Yeah. Right. But once it gets right. physical, if anyone's like a physical attack, a rape, of course we all feel for that. That's different. Yeah. But sexual harassment that you didn't like how somebody was speaking, people joke all the time, especially this day and age. You know, once it gets physical, that's when it turned real. Before that, you know, I know it's yeah. different. Tough. It's tough. We're living in an, in an interesting climate out, and you're. I mean, we're we're not living that. I mean, we we have our podcast here. I don't know. Sounds touching me the whole night <laughs> under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling uncomfortable. Says you liked it and you're sober. So. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's right. Wayne. I can't argue. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well jill this has been so much fun we had a good laugh here obviously and uh i wish you a lot of success in the future uh, thanks to alex for for hooking us up and um yes. you know we want to see your special any you want to tell everybody where they can go find you online or connect yes. with you anyway uh yeah connect with me i'm all over social media it's at jilly online j-i-l-l-y online and that's my website too is jilly online and if you keep in touch with me, I'll let you guys know where to find White Latina, my one-hour special. All right. So, yeah, we should have some news pretty soon coming in this beginning of the new year. And I've... I'm excited to share it with everybody. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> that. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna watch it. We'll share it on, you know, just send us the links too. We'll share it on our Facebook page and on your post and everywhere. So We, we may right, sit in the podcast guys. room here and just shotgun it too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. So, so, good luck in the future. Great. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah.
said it like six times even the, when I say like my four words in it's, an interview you know, you I, I can't hear myself uh, I can hear you oh, okay well, this you guys, is we sound check every time lower, yeah, lower. sound check oh hey we I can't hear you we get a sound check and I said I can't hear myself and you're like you're good <laughs> <laughs>